0: Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My co-host Nick Horwat and I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk. We've got you covered. New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast from. And let's go Penn. Playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into $200. That's 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy. And if that team wins, you will receive $200 in free credits. That's right. Pick any team that is still in contention, bet $5, and if that team wins, you cash $200 in free credits. All it takes to claim these 40-to-1 odds on the basketball team of your choosing is placing a $5 bet on that team and that team to win. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more. All week long, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you can claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only wager paid out in site credits restrictions apply see draftkings.com/sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 1-800-9WITH IT
1: welcome right to new york
0: Devils fans, it is once again your host, the lovely Neil Piano, and welcome to another awesome edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here exclusively and only on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news, topics, and so much more going on about your New Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you guys as always for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate all the support you guys have given me. We are still into season two. We are continuing with our free agency slash off season episodes here. And this is what's going to happen today. We're going to start by continuing with our potential free agent targets. We started with the right wing position. Today, we're going to be talking about three different potential veteran center options that I think could be decent ones for the Devils to go after in this free agency. And we'll discuss that a little bit more. And then the second half of our episode, as you can see from the title, we do have another guest. It's going to be our first guest of the off season, somebody that I've been talking with Over the past week or so, somebody that, uh, you know, we both share a great passion about the Devils, like all of you guys do. And I wanted to give him the opportunity to come on here, talk about the Devils, you know, kind of recap the season, looking forward into the offseason and some things that are on his mind. And we'll introduce him a little bit later. But as you can see, like always, we have a bunch to talk about. So let's not waste any more time. As I always say, let's drop the puck. So like I said before, we're gonna start with the continuation of potential free agent targets. And again, we started with the right wing position and now we're gonna move to the center position. And once again, I'll remind you guys that I will eventually be talking about trade targets. I'm not gonna do it like I'm doing right now where I go, potential right-wing trade targets, potential this, potential that. I'm probably just going to come up with a with a relatively big list of te- of players that are either in situations where maybe they need a change of scenery and could possibly be a good addition to our team, or just somebody that the Devils could go after to take advantage of some cap-strap teams. So it's going to be interesting when we get to that point. But we are going to be focusing, continuing to focus on free agent targets. We are talking about the center position. And this is a little bit more interesting because – We already have our top two centers, you know, Nico Giescher and Jack Hughes. But I think the the big question is who is going to be some of the guys that we see on the third and fourth line? You know, what guys would make sense. Now, we do have some young players. We have a guy like Dawson Mercer that very well could take over as that third-line center guy, or because he also has the ability to play on the wings, could also play at a wing position as well. But I think when you look at next season, do I think that there's a good chance that Dawson Mercer can make this team? I think there is a decent chance, but I also think that maybe Tom Fitzgerald doesn't want to rush somebody like him that quickly. They may want him to start in Binghamton. So I think when you look at the Devils and you look at maybe the situation and you look at the possibility that we may lose a centerman due to the expansion draft and we may not be able to, you know, keep everybody that we really want, the Devils could be looking at some veteran guys because let's face it, once again as we've mentioned before, the Devils are clearly by far the youngest team in the National Hockey League and they do need some veteran guys in here who know what it takes to win and how to really create that culture because we really need to create a winning culture with this young core, but we also need some veteran guys in here that can teach the young guys how to win in these situations and no disrespect to guys like Miles Wood or even PK Subban or Damon Severson. To me, they're just not it because if you look at Severson and Wood, since their time in New Jersey, they haven't really experienced that much winning. So it's a little bit harder for them to fully be able to get the young guys going. P.K. Subban, who obviously has a ton of experience in winning. I mean, he went to the Stanley Cup Finals with the Nashville Predators, and he had a ton of success in the postseason with the Montreal Canadiens. It's still not enough, in my opinion. So for that reason, there aren't that many... Really big name free agents when it comes to the center position, but a lot of guys that are are in the more veteran presence, you know, the mid thirties type of guys, guys that we can have here for a year or two that could really do it. Do I think it's possible that one of these guys could come on a one or two year deal? You know, you never know, especially with the flat cap and not a lot of teams being able to give out a whole lot of money. I think it's possible especially if the Devils feel comfortable giving more money than maybe the player was asking for originally, it might be an overpayment, but I think that Tom Fitzgerald won't do that. I think he might, you know, try to be reasonable about it. And again, look, here's the thing I am not saying, and I'm not naming these players with the guarantee that the Devils are going to go after them. These are guys that I've just looked at and said, I think that they could actually be good fits on the team. And it's up to Tom Fitzgerald and the ownership Uh, And everybody involved in the front office to make the decision as to whether or not they want to go after them. And then it's up to the player and the agent to make the decision as to whether or not they actually want to come to New Jersey, sign that contract and play for us. So let's, uh, you know, enough jibber jabber, as as I like to call it, let's start with our first player. Now, I put this in order of preference. I put this in order of which guys do I like more, which guys do I like less. But all three of these guys, it doesn't matter. Any of them, I would be satisfied with getting. And you guys can agree or disagree with any of them. And if you do, I would love to hear it. Again, follow me on Twitter at Devil State, on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. Also, like us on Facebook at Devil State of Mind. And just comment on you know, the podcast episode, you know, post when I make it, or just message me and, you know, after listening to the episode and give me your insights, I would love to hear from you guys always, because like I said, this podcast is made for the fans by a fan. And I want this to be a collective thing. I want this to be the fans podcast. I want you guys to interact as much as possible, but let's start with number one. And it's going to be somebody that I think is somewhat of a long shot to maybe go after, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. And that is David Krejci. Right now, he's a sentiment for the Boston Bruins. He's 35 years of age. A lot of you guys probably know who David Krejci is, and you know the type of player that he is. This past season in 2021, in the regular season, he scored eight goals with an impressive 36 assists for 44 points. I don't know for a fact, but I think that may be leading the team in assists. That's a pretty, pretty impressive thing because – is much more of a playmaker than he is necessarily a goal scorer. And even though, yes, we do need goal scoring help, adding a guy like Krejci as a third line centerman to help some of the young wingers coming up, I think would be very, very beneficial. In David Krejci's career, he's played in 962 games and he has tallied 215 goals and 515 assists for 730 Points, And he obviously has a long track record in the postseason playing for the Boston Bruins and winning a Stanley Cup back in 2011, going to the cup final in 2013 and also 2019 as well. He has 40 goals, 77 assists for 117 points in 149 games played in the playoffs in his career. So this guy, he knows about what it takes to win, what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. And I think from a veteran presence, he would be really, really good for the Devils. Let me read you something from a Bleacher Report article um, that was written about Crecci. There's a couple paragraphs here. But before I do that, I wanted to give you guys a quick... uh, I didn't didn't do this with the right-wing guys, but I'll do it here and I'll start and go from there. I wanted to give you guys the current contract that each of these players is on. So for David Krejci, he signed a six-year, $43.5 million contract you know, six years ago with the Bruins, including $43.5 million guaranteed and an average annual salary of $7.25 million per season. In 2020-21, basically, Krejci has earned a base salary of $7 million while carrying a cap hit of $7.25 million. So that is his current contract and obviously he will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. So this is what Bleacher Report had to say about David Krejci. A model of consistency since his sophomore year back in 2008-2009, David Krejci has spent that period as a reliable second-line center with the Boston Bruins. Now 34, well obviously now he's 35, this season could be his last with the Bruins as free agency beckons. Krejci has tallied at least forty-three points in ten times in every season in which he's played sixty-plus games. And knowing, obviously, we're most likely going to be having an eighty-two-game season next year, I will take that. He's also achieved those numbers despite ever-changing line mates throughout his tenure in Boston. The veteran center helped them win the Stanley Cup in twenty eleven and reach the final in both twenty thirteen and twenty nineteen, like I mentioned before. With 28 points in 40 games, he should reach between 35 and 40 points. This article was written during the season, so you know take that, you know take that with a grain of salt. Coming off a six-year, 43.5 million dollar contract, Krejci won't attract lucrative offers like that at this stage of his career. With 50.4 million dollars committed to 15 players, the Bruins can afford to keep him if he accepts a short-term deal and a pay cut from his $7.25 million annual cap kit to around $5.75 million. He might get a little more than that on the open market. So here's the thing. I said that this was a long shot because David Krejci has played basically his entire career with the Boston Bruins, and at 35 years of age, knowing that he's probably made more money than he'll ever know what to do with, I don't really see why exactly he would want to go from a Boston team that right now is, is really kicking kicking MoFobo against the Washington Capitals up three games to one at the time of this recording, mind you in their first round series with the Washington Capitals. Um, I don't know why he would want to leave Boston to go to a team like New Jersey, uh, a team that's another two, maybe three years away from being uh, a cup contender. It might be difficult for him. So Craigie I think most likely would probably take that pay cut unless Crecci feels like that at this point in his career He wants to try to make as much money as possible. And, you know, we don't know what the situation is going to be with the contracts and the salary cap for the Bruins. What We won't know until probably after the expansion draft when they lose whoever they're going to end up losing. But I will say this, if David Krejci decides to test the market, I know that sounds like a lot considering that he was just making 7.25. I would kick it up to about six and a half, maybe 6.75 which is still somewhat of a pay cut from what he was originally making. But I think when you look at it from a reasonable standpoint, you think he's 35 years of age. At some point, he's going to start going down points-wise. He's not going to be able to be as consistent. Although, as I just pointed out, 10-plus years of being relatively consistent, getting 40 points is, is pretty damn pretty damn good. Um, but And I don't think, honestly, it he's doing it because of the talent that he has around him. I think he's also just a really, really good two-way player. Um, and he's a really good two-way player. He can help us offensively and also being well defensively, especially on the penalty kill, you know, winning face-offs. I think that would be a key thing. Um, but as far as like realistic, uh, again, six and a half, $6.75 million per year for maybe two or three years for David Krejci. Um, I don't think that's that's really a difficult thing uh, for the Devils to do. Cause again, we have a lot of cap space and we're going to have to make some moves anyway, just to get to the cap floor. And I know that that could also mean that we have to sign, you know, some prospects that we have, and also getting extension to a guy like Jack Hughes and all those things. But again, when you're looking at from a veteran perspective, he's probably the guy that most franchises would want to go after. Um, but I wouldn't get my hopes up too much because again, Boston is where Krejci's played his whole career, and I think he may take a hometown discount. Who knows? But then again. We thought that Alex Petrangelo was going to take a hometown discount with St. Louis and he ended up signing a lucrative contract with the Vegas Golden Knights. So anything can happen, but I think that this is more unlikely, but if he ends up testing free agency, I think the Devils should definitely entertain it because I think that he could really help the young kids move along and help us really build that culture. And also he, if he could get us 45 to 50 points, you know, being as consistent as he is, That's going to help us win. That's going to help us be competitive and get to meaningful games that we want to get to in late March, early April. So David Krejci is the first guy on our list when it comes to potential free agent center targets. So the next guy actually has some ties with the New Jersey Devils. Well, not him specifically, but his father actually has ties with the New Jersey Devils. And that is Paul Stasny, the son of Peter Stasny. Uh, Stasny, as a lot of you older Devils fans now, played with the Devils back in the mid to late 80s. And, you know, he was a very, very good player. Do not get me wrong, especially when he went to Quebec. Great player, 100%. Paul Stasny has been a solid player in his career. And he's been a guy that actually in the past, I have act- I've actually wanted the Devils to go after. Uh, but this was obviously earlier in his career uh, when he was playing with the likes of St. Louis and even early on when he was playing with Winnipeg. But Stasny is also 35 years of age. He is a centerman. He plays for the Winnipeg Jets at the moment. And at the time of this recording, he just scored the previous night the overtime game winning goal to help the Jets take a commanding, well, not a commanding, but a two game, two games to none lead over the Edmonton Oilers in their first round series going to Winnipeg. So that was a big time goal. And seeing a veteran like Paul Stasny do the type of things that he's done in the postseason, if the Devils can get to the postseason, he would be a guy that could help us out tremendously. For Stasny in 2021, he had 13 goals, 16 assists for 29, 29 points, excuse me, in 56 games played. So that's pretty decent. Um, with regards to points, I mean, if he was on our team, he would have been one of the top five point getters on the team. So, I mean, there's there's something to look at. Uh, P- Paul Stasny, I was going to say Peter Stasny, Paul Stasny in his career has scored 263 goals, has tallied 492 assists for 755 points in 1,001 games played in his career. So he, like Travis Ajak, was able to eclipse 1,000 career games. So congratulations to him. And in the postseason in his career, Stastny has scored 26 goals, tallied 42 assists for 68 points in in, 999 games played. So game three against the Edmonton Oilers, if he does play, barring something crazy, that will be his 100th career playoff game. So he has, like David Krejci, a really good amount of games played in his career and a lot of playoff experience, a lot of veteran experience. And Stastny might be uh, even more reasonable to go after because I don't think he's going to be looking for as much as he as uh, David Krejci was making on his previous contract. But let's read. Stastny's current contract at the moment. He signed a three-year, $19.5 million contract with the Vegas Golden Knights. So this was when the Golden Knights first came into the league, including $19.5 million guaranteed and an average annual salary of $6.5 million. In 2020-21, Stastny has earned a base salary of $5.5 million while carrying a cap hit of $6.5 million. So looking at Stastny, he's obviously made less money in his last contract than David Krejci has, but there's a lot of differences to that. Um, I think Krejci is a better player than Stastny. But again, all of these guys that I mentioned are veteran guys. Well, two out of the three, basically. Um, And do I think Stastny is going to get a huge contract in the offseason? No. I think that if you look at it from, you know, if you want to be generous, go from anywhere between five to five and a half million dollars for two or three years uh, which, again, is actually is certainly more reasonable. Well, not more reasonable, but definitely somewhat more reasonable than what you would probably have to offer to David Krejci. Uh, Stastny, again, is also a proven playoff player. He has a ton of experience. He knows what it takes to win. Uh, he has not won a Stanley Cup in his career, but he certainly has a lot of playoff experience helping teams really get going. He's played in the Stanley Cup finals once, uh, I believe, with the Vegas Golden Knights back in 2018. 20- team. So again, another guy that I think could come in and help us. He's a guy that could play on our third line and be really good because again, we're not going to be going after a center to be one of our top two guys. We already have our top two centers in Nico Keisher and Jack Hughes, barring a crazy trade, which I don't, unless we're getting someone like Jack Eichel, I don't really see it. And plus Tom Fitzgerald did say he's building the team around Jack Hughes and Nico Keisher. So I mean, it, again, What would be the point of trading one of them away while saying that you also wanted to build around them? Because unless you're getting something really, really good, I don't see the point. But anyway, I'm trying to be reasonable when it comes to free agency targets in general, because I know that there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I know the type of plan that Tom Fitzgerald has in place when it comes to building this team. He wants to build it with young guys, drafting and developing them. But we do need veteran help. And getting a guy like Stastny, I don't think would that would be that bad of a bad of a move. And again, because we have so much cap space and because of the flat cap, it might be easier for us to get someone like Stastny on a cheaper deal because we might be able to offer him the most money while a lot of teams are struggling. I don't know exactly what the Winnipeg Jets cap situation is at the moment, um, but obviously they do have some good amount of money on some of their veteran guys. Uh, there's also some other guys that could be in trade talks and. You know, just going to tell you guys right now, not to spoil anything, but there is one particular player on the Winnipeg Jets that will be part of my trade list of guys that I think the Devils should go after and acquire in a trade. So stay tuned for that later on this offseason. But talking about Stastny, I think that even at this point in his career, he would help us. I really do. Maybe not necessarily from the point standpoint or the goal standpoint, but I think when again, trying to establish a winning culture and trying to get these guys to believe in in themselves that they could win these games, he's a good veteran presence. Um, and you know you're looking for good people. Paul Stastny is a very, very good guy uh, from a lot of people that I've spoken to about Stastny. He's a really good locker room guy. He's a guy that a lot of people look up to. And he was a big help to the Blues as they were trying to become the team they eventually became, and that's winning a Stanley Cup and also helping, you know, you know being part of that veteran group with the Vegas Golden Knights that went to the Stanley Cup Finals three years ago. So he's a cheaper option than David Krejci. And he's also another guy that I would be really ecstatic to come in and and play for us. And again, you know, I think that it would really help us in more ways than one. So for that reason, I have Paul Stasny as another guy that I think the Devils should target in the free agency for the center position. Now the last guy I have here is not I mean, you could somewhat say he's a veteran because he's approaching 30, but he would be more in the range of maybe a guy that's probably the cheapest of the three options and somebody that really could actually be a guy that I could see the Devils actually end up getting uh, as a younger, uh, somewhat veteran presence, but not as much. Uh, And that is Philip Deno, a centerman, 28 years of age, right now playing for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, In 2021, he had five goals, 19 assists for 24 points in 53 games played. So, decent year. Not the greatest type of goal-scoring help, but certainly a guy that could dish out some assists. Uh, In his career, Deneau has scored 55 goals, tallied 144 assists for 199 points in 392 games played. So, one more point, and Deneau will get to 200, and he's eight games away from 400. So, he's got a couple milestones on the way. Uh, In his career in the postseason, and he played in the postseason last year with Montreal, and he's playing in the postseason right now with Montreal, Deneau has one goal, four assists, and five points in 17 games played. He actually was pretty decent on my fantasy team as well, so i got to give him some credit there. So maybe that's one of the reasons I have him on this list. But let's look at Deneau's current contract. Uh, Three years ago, he signed a three-year, $9.25 million contract with Montreal. Including $9.25 million guaranteed at an average annual salary of $3.83 million. In 2020, Dano has earned a base salary of $3.25 million while carrying a cap hit of just over $3 million. So this is an even cheaper option than both Krejci and Stasny. And he's younger, he's several years younger because, like I mentioned, Kraichi. And Stastny are in their mid-30s. Deneau is in his late 20s. So if you want to look for a cheaper, younger option of a guy that could help us long-term, a guy that you could give probably a three, four-year, push pushing five if you really want to go crazy, contract, a guy that you expect to be there for us long-term, Philip Deneau is your guy. The only thing is simply this. He's not the world's greatest goal scorer. And we do need goal-scoring help. I think he would fit in when it comes to being a third line checking role, a guy that could dish out a couple of good assists here and there, maybe be a solid penalty kill slash power play guy. But he doesn't—he doesn't really jump out to me as like a really really great signing. Um, but if you want to go cheap, which I've seen the Devils do this before, I would say you you could give him—I don't know—a two three year contract worth three and a half maybe $4 million per year. Um, if you want to be honest with where he's going, so that would be about $12 million. So that'd be a little bit, that'd be about $3 million more than what he's making now. Um, and for Dano, he might look at it as saying, this is the moment in my career where I think I could maybe get the most money. Um, and the other thing is this, if guys like Preaching and Stastny are already signed and Dano is the best guy on the board and the Devils need to go get a centerman, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying the Devils are going to go after any of these guys or go after a sentiment in free agency at all. I'm just pointing out a couple of guys that I think, if you want to look down that road, could be decent targets. So I'm going to say, yeah, give him a two, three year contract for three and a half, four million dollars for, you know, that would be roughly 10 to 12 million dollars overall, which is not a huge amount of money. Um, so, yeah. None of these guys are going to massively break the bank. Uh, I'm sure you'd have to give a decent amount to both Stastny and David Krejci. Um, You know, Deneau would be a little bit more than what he's making now, but not terribly unreasonable. But again, if you were to ask me, the the best guy I think to get would be David Krejci, followed by Stastny, and then Philip Deneau. So like I mentioned before, I I listed them in the way of preference. Um, Like I said, Krejci is probably the most unrealistic Uh, Stastny and I think Deneau, I think would both be guys that I think the Devils could certainly look at and have a more reasonable chance of getting. Uh, But all these guys, there's always a possibility to it. And again, we'll see if the Devils even sniff the free agency market when it comes to centermen, unless they really want to go with the young guys that they have. So those are the three potential centermen free agent targets that I think the Devils should go after here. So the next episode, which is upcoming which will be this upcoming Thursday, we will be discussing left wingers, and that's going to be very interesting because I have some really, really uh, intriguing names that I think you guys would be excited if the Devils could get one of them. So stay tuned for that. But those are my three potential targets from the center position that I think the Devils should look at in free agency this year. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the second part of this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, and Like I said before, if you check the title of this episode, you know where I'm going with this. But we have our first guest of the offseason. He is a big-time Devils fan. He was born and raised in Princeton, New Jersey, raised in Heistown, actually. And his favorite Devils moment is the Adam Henry goal against the Rangers in the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. He is an alum of Mercer County College and Fairleigh Dickinson University with a master's in communication studies. He is 26 years of age, going to be turning 27 in June, and he's been a Devils fan, a New York Giants fan, and a New York Mets fan his whole life, with his favorite sport actually being NASCAR, and he's also a big Swifty. So it is with great pleasure to welcome on big-time Devils fan, Michael Nebbia. All right, Devils fans, we have another guest. Our first guest during the off season of this of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And I just introduced him, if you just heard my introduction. It is a pleasure to welcome on our good friend, Michael. Michael, welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. First and foremost, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right, a little nervous because this is my first time on Devil's State of Mind. <laughs> uh, we've actually got a full day of NASCAR coming up from Circuit of the Americas. Uh, First time there, that NASCAR is doing Circuit of the Americas, nice. so this is going to be a wild race.
0: <laughs> Without a doubt, I actually fun fact: I used to be into NASCAR when I was uh, when I was younger. But once Jeff Gordon retired, I kind of kind of fell out of it. Um, I think he,
1: he was a good successor in Chase Elliott.
0: Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, there's nothing like watching Jeff Gordon. I, I still watch his highlights from time to time, um, and I used to play. You know ea sports nascar for many years so I, I i'm still into it more or less
1: i still play nascar thunder i nice there was there's one lightning challenge that's always gotten the better of me it was the jerry nadeau hit the pump from nascar thunder 2003 and i finally figured out how to get through it you have to wreck bobby lavani <laughs>
0: that's awesome man that's awesome but let's Let's talk about hockey, because that's that, okay. that's what we're here for. You we're right here to yeah. talk about some hockey, and obviously, you know, with, with us being Devils fans, we don't really have much to look forward to when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, I have been watching, and they have certainly been – they've certainly not been disappointing 100%. They've been real. – there's been some really good series. But we're going to be talking about the Devils. And I do this with a lot of my guests, especially when I have fans on like yourself. My first question straight up is this. How would you become a Devils fan?
1: oh I became a Devils fan around 98, 99, when they were making the playoffs all the time, when they had Arnott, Eliash, and they had Marty Bordeaux, greatest goaltender of all time. Mm-hmm. And I would just take over my parents' TV whenever a Devils game came on, and I would just flip to wherever Devils were playing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it would come on right after Shop Till You Drop on Packs.
0: Mm. very very nice yeah no I mean that that period of time as most Dallas fans would know was when we were at our most dominant you know winning the cup in 95 and making the playoffs consistently and then obviously winning cups in 2000 and 2003 so luckily for you you know you were able to you know see a lot of that you know for me personally being a little bit younger than you are it was um I don't have a whole lot of memories definitive memories of watching the Devils win the Stanley Cup so I mean it I kind of act like a fan that's never seen my team win the Stanley Cup or that the team or acting like the team has never won a cup Um, so obviously there there's a little bit of frustration there but you know all those guys you mentioned great players uh, made massive contributions to the New Jersey Devils um, and were big parts to the success that we had my next question to you is this and I kind of mentioned it um, earlier when I introduced you um before you jumped on what is your favorite memory of all the memories that the devils have given have given to fans what is the one that sticks out to you the most
1: i actually have two favorite memories one of course is the 2003 cup i watched all seven games of that series and i remember my mom waking me up the next day to tell me that the devils had won because game seven took place on a school night and i was (laughs) eight years old about to turn nine Mm. So, I couldn't stay up to watch the entirety of game seven. Yep. And 2012 Eastern Conference final, Adam Henrique's game winning goal to send the Devils to the Stanley Cup finals where we were dispatching six games against the Kings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks we... a lot, Bernier. Yeah, we don't. We don't like to talk about, uh, the 2012 cup finals very much, but no, it's both of those memories are phenomenal, obviously winning the cup in 2003. And, you know, look, I mean, it was a, it was an interesting series because a lot of people did not want the devils to win that series. A lot of people were writing on, you know, you know, John Sebastian Jaguar and Paul Correa and even a young Mike Babcock, you know, with the coach and the Anaheim mighty ducks and the, the miracle run that they had made, um, but it was really crazy, and I, and I remember the the thing that really irritated me the most about that entire situation was that the was that basically the playoff MVP or the Conn Smite, as everybody knows, was actually not given to even a devil player. was given to John Sebastian Jager, and that was miracle like, playoff run, right? And he, I think, he was only like the second or third player in NHL history to be given the con Smite from the losing team. And I thought it was kind He's of the second one, it was the second, one. or it was the second one. Thank you. It was. It was kind of an insult to me. It was kind of an insult, honestly, to Marty Broder because he had shut out the Ducks three times in that series. I mean, you want to talk about dominance, you want to talk about, you know, doing well at your job. Martin broder was at the peak of his career, or not at the peak, he was in the prime of his career when he was really dominating. And so, I mean, I got it, I understood the point, but still, it was just, it was difficult. And then 2012, I mean, that was kind of, for me at least, that was the first time I really, really you know watched every game and i was super invested and, and, and it was, it was such Emmerich's big deal.
1: call of henrik it's over that really did it for me Ooh, yes And in three that game one intro done by kiefer sutherland jack bauer himself
0: that's those are th- those got are the days, Kiefer man. sutherland before 24 oh yeah 100 and, and
1: was- he's always a badass
0: what yeah he's he's always been a badass and he always will be and when you look First at
1: Jack Bauer and then as Tom Kirkman on one of my favorite shows Destiny answer right
0: right one of the things from 2012 that was just so special about it was that you know you got to the conference finals and you know you're playing the Rangers and you know the history between the two teams and you know that both teams don't like each other and exactly. it was a back and forth series and and the game that really sticks out to me is not necessarily the game six, but the game five back in Madison Square Garden, because you know, as most Devils fans will remember, we're up three nothing in the first period of game five, looking like that we're gonna just walk all over the Rangers and win game five, and then we proceed to blow a three goal lead, which I guess that was kind of a uh, the first sign of what was to come uh, seven, eight, nine years later with what we we're typical of seeing the Devils do when it comes to having leads, but. Well, that we won't get into that, but you know, and that the just funny- made
1: pre- that just made seasons after that borderline unwatchable.
0: Right, right, and you know, scoring. You know, Ryan Carter scoring the unlikely go-ahead, which turned out to be the winning goal in Game Five, winning that game five to three. It, it just made you believe as a Devils fan that they were going to win that series, that they were going to find a way to win that series, and they wanted in dramatic fashion with Adam Henrique scoring that goal being the big time performer that he was he had already scored a series clinching goal earlier in the playoffs against Florida in the first round in overtime and all of a sudden we're sitting there looking like we are four wins away from winning a Stanley Cup i mean i was thinking to myself i actually have the opportunity to see the devils win a stanley cup but i don't like to be a conspiracy theorist but there was some questionable calls made in the cup final against uh los angeles that uh Propel propel Los Angeles to winning the Stanley Cup, but I'm not going to talk about that again because it brings <coughs> up a lot of PTSD. Um, yes, it was at Bernie calling six. Well, uh, Bernie deserved the penalty, but maybe not to the extent that he was given, and to be thrown out, which was kind of a was kind of an overkill in my opinion. But again, if he only none, gets
1: the two minutes, we win that game six.
0: But yeah, it doesn't turn into a four nothing, you know, lead for for Los Angeles, you know, six, seven minutes into the game. I mean, it doesn't turn into the game is already over before we even can really get anything going. But, you know, unfortunately, since that time, it's been very, it's been, for lack of a better term, really disappointing and very frustrating to see this team. We've made the playoffs once since 2012, and we were out in five games against the Tampa Bay Lightning in 17-18. And I think we
1: all didn't really do much against Damko and Kucherov.
0: Well, I think if we had won game four, and I was actually at that game, I think if we would won game four, that series would have been a lot different. But it's really difficult to understand um, when I was younger why the Devils were just not the same team that they once were, constantly making the playoffs, constantly being uh, a team that could compete for a Stanley Cup. And I think that it was a combination of ownership. Um, I think Lou was not given the opportunity to do the things he had done before to make the team successful. He was kicked. He was basically thrown out of the Devils organization because especially of the
1: especially after pulling heist after heist after heist.
0: Right, and he was a genius. Right, and and he, we could see what he's done with Toronto. You know, we, we're looking at what Toronto's been able to. do. We look at the Islanders. We see what they've yeah, become.
1: favorite team.
0: Right, and that and you just and look now, at that. Look at the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, it just it's a it's a really. It's a really remarkable thing, and it doesn't surprise me that Lou is doing that. And I was talking to my good friend, and you know him. You know her very well, Michael, and Kim Moisa. I always grew up around Twitter, and I said to her, I said, look, this is what you're going to get with Lou Lamorello once he becomes your general manager. He's going to make you into a competitive winning hockey team. You're yeah, not going to exactly. be – Lou makes com-
1: competitive hockey teams. He pulls right. off these genius heists, and he turns bad teams into
0: contenders. Absolutely, and you're seeing what you're seeing it now. And the the Islanders tied their series with Pittsburgh. They're two wins away from moving to the finals. I guess you want to say of the The, East Division.
1: The East Division finals potentially against Boston.
0: Probably against against Boston. 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 I don't. I don't see Washington coming back from three one. I think that that series is all. But it's possible to come back from three one. I mean, I've seen it before. Do not get me wrong, but I just Cubs
1: in the World Series twenty sixteen Cavaliers. NBA Finals 2016, a 3-1 lead's not safe.
0: But no, anyway. it's not safe. You got to win that game five. You can't even give them an opportunity. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think game five is later today, I believe. I thought my Yeah, it's game five is later today. We're actually recording this on Sunday, May 23rd. So by the time you guys listen to this episode, we will have known whether we are going for a game six between Boston and Washington or Boston becomes, I believe, the first team to advance to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, so we so we'll, we'll see what happens down there. But going back to the Devils, uh, Michael, my next question to you is simply this: Let's talk about the team this past season. Let's just focus on the 2021 New Jersey Devils. Okay. Look, nobody really expected the Devils to go out and be phenomenal and be a playoff team, anything like that. This was probably the year where we really had no idea what was going to happen because we knew how many new guys that were going to come in and play. We had a new coaching staff, new general manager. It was going to be a very, very interesting year. And it got off to a good start. We looked really competitive. We looked like a team that was going to be competitive all year long. And then COVID hits. We're out for 16 days. And really after that point, even though we won a couple games right after we came back, we just could never find the same rhythm again. And we just went through periods where we really were struggling to win games. And if you, if everybody remembers, at least tries not to remember when we got past the trade deadline, we proceeded to go on a 10 game losing streak. And I, if you guys remember hearing me say a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, that I personally did not think the devils were going to win another game because of the way that they were finding every single possible way in the books to lose games. But the devil's, Did finish the year on a high note, winning five of their last eight. And as a result, they are tied with the Seattle Kraken for the third highest odds in the 2021 draft lottery. And you guys know my feelings already. I don't really care where we finish in the lottery. If The worst we can fall to to is five, which is still not even a big deal. We're still getting a top five player. It does not matter. Um, And I don't really care about getting the first overall pick because I don't want to be called the Edmonton Oilers of the East. That's the last thing. I want to be called, but Michael, in your opinion, let's start. Here's my first question to you. My first question is this, what was your expectation going into the season? I was not
1: expecting much of the Devils. I was hoping they'd finish with a wild card, but I wasn't hopeful for the Devils this season, despite that we had two top overall picks in Heischer and Hughes. But I was surprised that we went on tear to end the season. Five out of the last eight games ended up being wins, and we ended up uh, around five hundred. So
0: more or less, that, I
1: mean, that we ended up around five hundred. Didn't get to the wild card. I think we came within a few points of it, but
0: gives me signs of hope for the future. And that's a, good, that's a good attitude to have. I mean, I, I'm a little bit different because I want to see what ownership really you know, can do or what they decide to actually do. Do they allow Tom Fitzgerald to spend the money that they need to spend to try to make this team better? Because I get the whole process of building through the draft and having young guys in your system and taking advantage of that and having the cap space to take advantage of other teams. But if you're just going to go year after year without really trying to go out and make any big-time moves – you know, what exactly are we doing? And so, you know, in the first half of this episode, I'm sure if you guys have listened, I've already started kind of like potential targets that the devils could go after free agency. The last episode was the right wing position. This episode is about the center position. And then next episode coming, coming up on, uh, on Thursday will be the left wing position. And then we'll do defense and goaltenders and continue to go from there. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what the devil's. Was just a bum. I'm sorry. Good. What was that?
1: Schneider was just a bum when we had him. To be brutally honest with you, uh,
0: <laughs> well, I would disagree with that. Um, I understand people's frustration with Schneider in the last just not two years. with him? Well, I mean, to be fair, number one, he was arguably one of the best goaltenders in the league for two, three years when he first came to New Jersey. The problem was that the team could not score, so he couldn't win games because he just could not. He couldn't get goal support. It's like Jacob Degrom not getting run no, support go in there please it's like jacob de, no it's the jacob de gram disease as i call it it's like he pitches phenomenally but they but still the team can't get run support They can get runs exactly so that was the thing with schneider and i understand the last two or three years you know from 1718 to 1920 i get it he really struggled because of injury and just there was very little support for him defensively as we clearly saw with Blackwood, even this year, just getting very little to no good defensive support. So, yeah, I get the people's frustration about Corey Schneider. But I think, honestly, he did his best as he possibly could with the situation. It just didn't work out. And we'll see what happens with him um, and the New York Islanders. Him being the third-string goaltender, um, probably not going to play at all unless something really nuts happens, which I doubt. Um, but it's hockey, anything can happen. But going back to going back to this season... Um, my question to you, my next question to you, Michael, is this out of all the guys that we had in this team, especially young guys, because let's face it, we had 10, 11 guys making their NHL debuts this past year. Who was the guy that stood out to you the most out of all the guys? Who was the guy that really, really excited you the most?
1: Oh, the guy that really excited me the most. Oh, that is a very tough question. The guy that excites me the most on this team as a whole is Jack Hughes. No question about it, but out of the young guys this year, I really can't say. I got to see more of their play before I can make an honest decision.
0: Okay. No, I think that's – no, that's fair. Um, you know, there's a lot of – I do to wait
1: for more of their plays, more of their games before I reserve judgment.
0: No, I think that's fair. You know, there's a lot of guys this year that really, really stepped up and played really, really well. Um I did kind of an award show earlier, uh, about like a week ago, just basically talking about guys that really stood out to me. And there's guys even playing right now in the World Juniors that are, um, well, not the World Juniors, the World Championships, that are actually stepping up. I mean, look, Yegor Sharikovich is the captain of Team Belarus, who just won earlier today. So that is really that is really good. And you have other guys like Mary and playing for Slovakia. You have, you know, Nico Kiescher and Jonas Siegenthal are playing for Team Switzerland. Um, you have Matthew Helixson, excuse me, and uh, Matt Tennyson playing for Team USA. So you have a lot of guys that are continuing to play hockey, continuing to get themselves better and better. And I think that that's a really important thing. Um, there's a lot of guys that really surprised, uh, certainly myself, did not expect them to do the type of damage that they did. But when you basically have an all young team, um, you're going to get a lot of minutes. And that's what these guys did. So we'll see what happens. Going into next year, now that hopefully next year will be a full year of hockey instead of a fifty-six whatever the hell it was season. Yeah, it. uh, I would.
1: It's because of COVID.
0: Right. Yeah, and that was. uh, Hopefully next year is eighty-two, and I and I think that that's what the NHL is going to be trying to do. NHL is going to be going for eighty-two. Yeah. Exactly. October
1: to April schedule.
0: Right. Simple regular NHL schedule with a new television contract. I might add. So that'll be. That'll be intriguing with to see an, once we get to that with point.
1: With a familiar partner
0: in ESPN, right? When ESPN, um, and oh, also, thank you. right, and also a, a new a new partner as well in TNT. So that'll be interesting to see how TNT does some of these games. And but a new team, right, um, Michael? I have a just like two more questions for you. Basically, my, my next question is this: When you look at the team going into the offseason, what is the biggest area of improvement this team needs to do when it comes to, you know, how they improve their team during this whole off season? What's the biggest area in your opinion?
1: Okay. So I've been playing around with rebuilding the devils on this site called cap friendly. And I've been very, very holes. good place.
0: Very good place to, to work on it.
1: Some holes on the wings as well as on goaltending. They need to get more defensive support. I, 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 Tried slotting in Dougie Hamilton, which should be a who should be a top target for them. And I also tried uh slotting in some players on the wings and some mm-hmm. veteran goaltenders to help out yeah. uh Blackwood.
0: Okay, is there is there any particular is there any particular goaltender, like backup goaltender that is catching your eye when it comes to you know having that support with Blackwood?
1: No one in particular, I just slide in uh, random veterans, but I kind of had an, a bit of a limit to who I slide in. No one that's on the wrong end of 30.
0: No one is on the wrong end of 30. Okay, that's that's so actually... Someone
1: around the age where Marty Dave, Marty Bordeaux made his debut.
0: That's fair enough. And I think that, um, I think when I, and I've talked about it before, I think that We have to start thinking about trying to have more of a 1A, 1B situation rather than just having a young goaltender or, you know, your starting goaltender and then a mid-level backup. I think we really have to look to that. So it'll be, you know, we'll see what they decide to do in the offseason. And like I said to everybody, uh, when I do my free agency previews, I will bring up a couple goaltenders in a couple, you know, in the next couple of episodes. And we'll discuss that as well. Moving forward, my last question to you, Michael, is simply this: You know, a lot of Devils fans listen to this podcast, and a lot of us are looking for optimism because you know it's tough at times to see optimism when the team has been struggling like this for the last handful of years. Yeah, I what should is know the-
1: being I should know being a Mets and Giants fan.
0: <laughs> I understand that. I, I'm not a Mets fan, but I am a Giants fan, so I I sympathize. With that, but especially my question,
1: being a Mets fan and having to deal with the Will Ponzies,
0: well, you don't have to deal with the Will Pons anymore, so you don't Thank have to. The Lord, yes, yeah, that is definitely a breath of fresh air. But my question to you, Michael, is simply this What is the one thing you would tell Devils fans to be optimistic about moving forward?
1: The one thing I have to tell Devils fans to be optimistic moving forward is that we have a great young group of guys led by Hughes and Heisher who are going to lead this team forward. We have a great veteran coach in Lindy Ruff, formerly of the Buffalo Sabres. And condolences to Melody Martin, who is a big Sabres fan. She's getting Will Pond right now. Her team's getting <laughs> Will Pond right now. And I understand what it's like to have Will Ponds owning the team. Mm. So I sympathize with her. I really do. Mm. ownership's got to step up. And I think that if Josh Harris steps up and comes out from behind the shadows and lets Tom Fitzgerald do what he's got to do, Mm -hmm. I think that the Devils will rise again to the levels of 2000 and 2003.
0: I like that enthusiasm and and I like that optimism. And yes, I mean, we do have a young team and you're also right. You You have the youngest team in
1: the NHL right now. 100%
0: One hundred percent, by by a bunch, and it's and it's pretty. uh We're painfully young, as I've said before. And at the end of the day, ownership does have to make the choice to actually allow the Devils to do what they need to do, to spend the money to get there. And I'm not saying we have to get to the top of the cap. I think that we just need to. You don't need to
1: get to the top of the cap. Right.
0: We just need to basically Thomas Joe just needs to have freedom to do what he needs to do. Just give him as much space as possible. And move from and let him do what he needs to do, like Lou Lamorello used to do 100. My- you have a problem in the west,
1: and that is Vegas, they are quickly becoming the Yankees of the NHL.
0: Oh, well, they gotta win, they gotta win, a, they gotta win 26 championships first, or that's 27. It's, it's, that's what I'm saying. You gotta, you gotta build, you gotta start winning some championships before you really start getting that. But, uh, but Michael, you got a great team, Vegas has a great team. Yeah, and And we'll see. they love their arena
1: and goal song.
0: Yeah, "Lights, pack at the Disco" is such a jam. (sighs) (laughs) It is a good song. It is a good song. But Michael, before I let you go, man, and again, thank you so much for for taking some time to talk with us today. Tell the folks at home where they can find you on social, and just talk about anything you're uh, you're you have upcoming. So the floor is yours. Well, I am
1: starting my own Devils and Giants podcasts. The Giants podcast, True Big Blue is going to start up in September. I'm uh, starting up, I'm going to be doing a few pilot episodes once training camp rolls around in June, July. For the Devils podcast, I'll have a pilot episode around September, around the preseason. So there's that. And I'm going to be doing some live commentary for the Circuit of the Americas race coming up in a, a couple of hours. We are recording this on Sunday. It's for my NASCAR podcast called The Garage Area. I'll talk NASCAR news, I'll talk previous races, I'll talk whatever about the world of NASCAR. And I do that on Mondays on Twitch and YouTube.
0: Awesome, awesome.
1: I just love doing that. (laughs) It's what I'm comfortable with. Right. I used to do some Yu-Gi-Oh videos, not doing those because of the pandemic. And it's allowed for the trolls to just come in and break the community beyond repair.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, we don't want that.
1: We don't want cyber trolls. They've led to cyber bullying, bullying incidents, which have led to mass suicides.
0: Ugh. Oh, that's unfortunate. And, that's unfortunate.
1: And uh, Kim, Kim Moisa, House Girl 3, is an advocate for mental health. And I want to follow in her lead and be a and advocate for mental health and curb the suicide rate.
0: That's awesome, man. That That is absolutely phenomenal. I, I I commend you for it. I know how big mental health is. Uh, you know, and I'm, and I won't being, lie.
1: Uh, being on the autistic spectrum, having to deal with epilepsy, yeah. I sympathize with Kim on that.
0: Yeah. No, I get, I, I completely, um, I admire, you know, the efforts. I, I appreciate them 100%. Um, and, you always have support from myself and also the devil state of mind community um and the devil's fan community as well. And we appreciate it. But Michael, thank you so much, man, for coming on today and talking with us. We really do appreciate it. And we'll we'll definitely have you on again down the road. But thank, thank you. so you very much, much Neil.
1: I'll come back whenever you need me. And whenever I need a co-host, you're the guy. Awesome. Man. Yeah, maybe needing a co-host for my podcast because I'm the noob. You're the veteran.
0: Awesome, man. I appreciate it. But we'll definitely talk soon. All right, man.
1: All right, Neil. Catch you.
0: Catch you. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network and you can see all of the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil State. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at Hockey, Hockey. P-O-D, pod, N-E-T, net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also MoFobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, Pain, Pain. The Agony and the Ecstasy, nah, no ecstasy, of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan, so from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know where, you know anything we could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess. The Regrets of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969 so if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan or by some chance you're both you probably guessed why I chose that price so again please go check out both of those books the first one J-E-T-S pain 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 the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan and also meet the Mets mess the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town so once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Vel Piano and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!